Welcome to Podcast, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning and welcome. We are so delighted that you have chosen Portland Center for Spiritual Living as your source of spiritual nourishment here this morning. And it's a happy Sunday, and and it's so great that you're here, and wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. And today, we continue our exploration of Vex King's Good Vibes, Good Life, of freedom in our hearts and in our minds, let us turn our attention to today's message. We're featuring part five, Manifesting Goals, Mind Work in Vex King's Good Vibes. First, I do want to share, though, what Ernest Holmes has to say about thinking. He shares in The Science of Mind, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. So yes, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. So in today's message, we're looking at three ways to do just that. We're looking at beliefs, we're looking at releasing fear, and we're looking at a three-step process for naming and claiming our good. So with our mind stayed on freedom from any limitation, let us begin. First, beliefs. Our author shares that beliefs are fundamental in the manifestation process. He says they affect our reality. And he has a clearly articulated description of the difference between the conscious thinking mind and the subconscious mind. He says the conscious mind thinks, the subconscious mind absorbs. Your conscious mind is your garden, and your subconscious mind is like deep, fertile soil. Seeds of both success and failure can be planted in this soil without any discernment. Your conscious mind plays the role of the gardener, choosing which seeds are sown in the soil. Now, that sounds a whole lot like science of mind and the divine creative process, doesn't it? Many of us that have taken foundations class, we recall seed, soil, plant. Seed is an idea. Soil is that law that is receptive, that receives what we place into it, and it produces form. Well, let's take a look at one of my absolute favorite authors that influenced Ernest Holmes, the founder of Religious Science, Emma Curtis Hopkins. She's known as the metaphysical teacher of teachers. And here's what she has to say on the topic. First of all, there is good for you and you ought to have it. She also clearly tells us that the only thing keeping us from our good is our belief in separation. And so if we look at what Vex King is sharing with us, our beliefs are fundamental when it comes to manifestation. And Emma shares two very specific belief structures. One, there is a conviction of absence, 
meaning there's good for me and I ought to have it, but it is some place where I am not in this time and place. That is a conviction of absence. Our good is not present. We know what we want, but our thoughts are focused on it not being present in our life. And she says we need to keep our minds steadfastly focused on there is good for me and I ought to have it and have what she calls a conviction of presence. There is good for me and I ought to have it and it is right here, right now because there is no separation and we must remember that the fundamental principle of science of mind is the principle of oneness. God is all there is. And so if God is all there is, and God is good and good is God, how can we ever be separated from our good? Emma says, conviction of presence brings forth the condition to reveal our good. One of the things that she says in scientific Christian mental practice, your whole life conditions change if you change your mode of thinking. So yes, we can become an expert manifesting our dreams by harnessing our divine creative process. We can become aware and with discernment Look at our thoughts and say, am I feeding a conviction of absence or am I feeding a conviction of presence? So, am I missing my good? We know there's a conviction of absence. When our good starts being revealed in our life in magical ways, that's telling us that we have developed and are holding steadfast to a conviction of presence. So conviction of absence or conviction of presence. Two ways of using the principle, and we get to choose. The next, let's look at fear. And I'm calling this the great shutoff valve. And the reason I'm calling this the great shutoff valve is this week on Facebook, I noticed a couple of postings from our sister center in Dallas, Texas. As we have heard in the news, frigid temperatures, the electricity grid has failed, no heat, and in the CSL Dallas center, water mains broke and it flooded the entire center. Standing water throughout the entire sanctuary in their entire education facility. And one of the things that was shown is a video of this stream of water pouring out of this broken pipe. And the prayer request was for finding a way to shut off the valve. Let's just send our prayers to CSL Dallas because that is a huge, huge cleanup opportunity. But how is this true in our life if we're looking at good and I ought to have it and God is good and there is an influx? Fear is like a valve. It shuts off 
the flow of good in our life. It literally just creates that separation that we're believing in. Now, here's how I know this to be true. When I was doing my undergraduate degree at University of Minnesota in speech communications, there was a winter term in Cuernavaca, Mexico. And so that winter, getting out of the frigid temperatures of Minneapolis, spent the entire term in Cuernavaca, Mexico. And we had weekends off. We, you know, we would study during the week, and then we had weekends off. And so we would take culture trips, sometimes organized culture trips. Other times we had free time. And on one of those weekends, several of us took off and went to the coast. I don't remember if it was Acapulco, if it was Ixtapa, Zewatneo. I don't remember. What I do remember is that while we were at the beach, I went into the ocean and I got caught in an undertow. And I don't know if any of you have been caught in an undertow. All I can say is I have great respect for the power of the ocean. And so in that, I managed, obviously, to figure out how to get out of the undertow. But as a result of that, I developed a fear of the ocean. Now, if you fast forward a couple of decades, and I've I'd spent many, many trips to the East Coast beaches, there was an opportunity. It was a Rotary Club fundraising cruise for the foundation. And a girlfriend and I were planning that cruise to help build a fundraising activity. While we were on the cruise, one of the opportunities for while we were not at sea was to go on a snorkeling excursion. And I kept thinking, oh, I don't know. Swimming in the ocean, I'm just not so sure about that. But I made a conscious choice to say, no, I am no longer willing to let this fear inhibit me from enjoying the ocean. So, we get to the excursion, the charter boat takes us out to the location. Well, of course, on that ride out, I am feeling totally uncomfortable. I've never snorkeled. I don't have a clue how to put any of that equipment on. And even though the guide is giving us a step-by-step -step instruction, I'm feeling inadequate. I'm thinking, you know, like when we're in uncertain situations, everybody's looking at me and they're seeing how incompetent I am. Well, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this itty-bitty little girl. She could not have been more than four, maybe five. And with absolute confidence, she's putting on her equipment, and she's all excited and giggling and laughing. And I told myself, Marilyn, if she can do it, you can do it. Just follow her lead. Do what she does. So I had my eyes glued on that little girl when she started putting that equipment across her face. I did exactly what she did. When we got to the location, there were two options for getting into the ocean. One, you could jump feet first into the ocean, or they lowered a plank where you could walk ever so gently into the ocean. I thought, check out the little girl. What is she doing? Well, she chose to jump in. And I went, all right, she's jumping in, I can jump in. And so feet first, I jumped in, 
And to my amazement, the awe and wonderment of an entire life system beneath the surface of the ocean. For all those years, my fear of the ocean inhibited me from seeing the magic that is below the surface of the ocean. And how is this true in our life where we develop a fear and then we limit the influx of life flowing into our daily experience? Well, I have to say, I was probably one of the last persons reboarding the charter boat. And it was off the coast of Key West. So, of course, Wine was served, and we were watching the sunset. And when we got back, the charter boat docked at the very end of this very long dock. And so we're walking on this dock, and all of a sudden, my feet just stopped. I couldn't move. Couldn't move. It was a little unsettling, and all of a sudden, I started looking around. And then I saw it. And that'll be the rest of the story that I'll share in a minute. So fear. Allow ourselves to say no to it, to face it boldly, and remember that God is always present right where we are. And so the third thing that we're going to look at is a three-step process for naming and claiming are good. And here's three-step process. Intentions, mind mapping, and taking inspired action. So let's look first at intentions. In Good Vibes, Vex King states, you have to know what you want. You cannot attain that which you are unsure about. And here at the center, we emphasize the power of setting daily intentions as well as annual intentions to harness our creative power. So daily intentions, you may have heard me in previous messages. This is a, a practice from Emma Curtis Hopkins, and that is that she said, write out your intention for your good that day. The statement, my intention for my most high good today is. She says, name it and claim it. So that's a daily practice that you can use to begin naming and claiming your daily good. In addition to daily intentions, here at the center, we also emphasize setting annual intentions. This past January, we hosted an intention-setting workshop. It was called Intentions 2021, Empowering Our Best Self. And in that workshop, participants wrote out at least one intention for eight life categories. Finances, career, creativity and self-expression, personal growth, health and wellness, relationships, recreation, and legacy. Each participant was encouraged to write at least one intention specifying what they desired in each of the eight areas. The next step, 
participants were encouraged to do was to do a process called mind mapping. Now, if you've never done a mind map, what it is, is you draw a circle in the center of a page. And in the center of that circle, you write your specific intentions. And then just like wagon wheels or spokes on a bicycle wheel, you draw spokes out. And you, f- and you go into kind of a contemplative state and begin to explore possibilities, allowing your mind to open up to the infinite creativity that is available to us. This is not setting a strategic plan, using your mind like, how am I going to do this? No, this is opening up to the possibility of the ways this intention can be fulfilled. And you write down one idea per spoke. The power of that is that we're releasing our left brain thinking of the how, and we're opening up to our intuitive inner guidance. And so that's a very, very important step. The third step that we were talking about in our workshop was to then write out a goal. So we have an intention written, we have several different possibilities in our mind map, and then to write out a goal. Now our author says that We need to be specific in our goals. Something you can do, you can check it off when it's finished. I want to share a different perspective that was wisdom revealed in the workshop we had in January. When we got to the goals part of this activity, I was sharing an example, and one of the participants says, it feels like a lot of doing. And we all stopped and said, ah, let's explore this. So we had a great conversation and we came to consensus that what really felt more in alignment with our teaching was instead of writing goals, write down inspired action. Now, here's the why that makes a difference. Inspiration comes from within. It requires us to be still. And so if we look at Psalm 46, verse 10, we receive the guidance, be still and know that I am God. And that be still means stop striving, stop resisting, relax, look within, and allow the infinite possibilities of the one mind to reveal the how. So remembering, our job is to be very specific in our intention. What do we want? We open our mind to infinite possibilities by mind mapping. We're opening up to those possibilities. Then we get very quiet. We get very still. We go within. And the action we take is based on the guidance we receive. Once we've received that guidance, then and only then, do we take inspired action? 
And our author sort of sums it up for us. He says, intention without action is just a wish. The universe is always supporting you, but you must be willing to do your part in the manifestation process. So let's summarize. First, our beliefs are fundamental in being practical experts in manifesting our dreams as we harness our creative power. Next, there are two ways we can use one principle. We can develop a conviction of absence, or we can consciously and using discernment develop a conviction of presence that there is good for me, I ought to have it, and it's right here, right now. The next thing we talked about is fear is a major suppressor, the actual major valve shutoff to the influx of the good that is available to us. It also says to us when we are in a fearful state that we are not in the now moment. We're typically fearing something that has not yet come to pass. And so we're out of the present moment, which is where our creative power is. And then we looked at the three-step process for naming and claiming our good, setting intentions. You can do that on a daily basis and at an annual level, mind mapping, and then, of course, be still and take inspired action. So now I want to share the rest of the story. As I said, we had watched the sunset in Key West. We're coming down this long dock, headed back to um, where the charter bus was picking us up to take us back to the cruise ship. And as I said, I stopped. Couldn't move. My physical body, I mean, it was like I could not move. And all of a sudden I looked and I said, that's it. That's it. And the rest of the group was like, what's so special about that boat? And I have to admit, it wasn't the grandest that was moored in the marina. But I kept saying, that's it. That's it. And they're like, come on, Marilyn, let's go. We're going to be late for, for the bus. And then I realized they were looking at the boat. I was looking at the name of the boat. And the name of the boat? Serenity. The truth is, when we're open to spirit, when we get still and allow that internal guidance, there is an internal peace that comes forth. There is a reassurance that all is well. And that, yes, the universe is always, always, always for us. So I say, get bold, name and claim your good, and become the absolute expert in manifesting your dreams. Let us pray. Breathing in this now moment, recognizing that one power, that one presence, the one mind of infinite intelligence, vast, limitless possibilities. I choose to call it God. 
There is nothing outside of this one. And that means my life. I am of this infinite intelligence. I am of the life, the substance, the intelligence of spirit. And as it is true of me, I know it to be the truth of each person hearing this word. Each person, an individualized expression with full access to that limitless substance, to that limitless intelligence, and to the influx of life. And so I claim and affirm and I speak my word for and about each person. There is a willingness to boldly focus attention, to wake up and keep their mind on a conviction of presence, of good and more good, that it is available right in the very space where each person is. I claim and affirm a willingness to let go of fear, to release that shut-off valve that is inhibiting the free flow, the influx of spirit and its vast, limitless resources. And I claim and affirm a willingness to boldly name and claim good, to say there is good for me and I ought to have it, and yes, it is present right here, right now. I boldly state my what. I am open. I'm opening my mind to the possibilities by mind mapping and opening up to creative ways this can be true. And the choice to be still and listen to that internal guidance, to allow spirit to inspire the right next step. Yes, ever so boldly, becoming the master, becoming the expert in harnessing the divine creative process for the fulfillment of life's dreams. I am so grateful for this truth that God is all there is. God is that power and that it is the truth of each and every person. I place this word into the activity and action of the law, knowing that the law always says yes. And so with absolute conviction and firmament of mind, together we say, and so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. 
Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.